podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. There's more to working from home than emails. So you need Wi-Fi with reliable speed, the most in-home coverage, and built-in security. You need Xfinity XFi. That's simple, easy, awesome. Go online, call 1-800-XFINITY, or visit a store today to learn more. Restrictions apply. They could break here, Chelsea. This could be the moment. Frank Lampard for Chelsea. It's Carvalho to his right. Lampard for the title. Lampard, it's 2-0. It's Chelsea's championship. And 50 years of waiting have come to an end. Lampard comes out to Essien. Hello, welcome to Chesi Hour. My name is Mies. I'll be your host for this one. Joined by two new panelists. I think you've heard um a cheat if you're a patron listener, you've heard um a, a, a mini podcast with um with Ben and Semi. Shemi, sorry. Sorry for saying your name incorrectly, bro. That's I mean cool. you won't you warned me beforehand as well, and I got it wrong. It was a big mess. <laughs> but anyway, we introduced the man them. So we've got Pels, what are you saying, fam? I'm good, man. How are you? Yeah, not too bad, not too bad. Shemi, what are you saying, man? Yeah, I'm good, bro. I'm good, bro. And Ben, what are you saying, brother? I'm here, I'm here, I'm here. Okay, okay. So no, sorry. I love Ben's energy. I feel like Ben's <laughs> gassed to be here, man. <laughs> hey, Ben's happy to be here, man. Happy to be part of the team. Happy to um, be here. You know, like that. Um, but obviously, after a bit of pressure that was building on Frank Lampard, um, after the Tottenham performance, and I guess after um, the West Brom game, I think we responded quite well against Crystal Palace. We had a, a decent 4-0 win over, you know, also, well, I wouldn't say South London rivals, but our London rivals in, in Palace, who've had a decent start to the season, um, you know. First and foremost, because I always like to start off with the team lineup. When you saw, when you guys saw the team lineup, how are you guys feeling? So, Ben, I want to start with you, because you're the most gassed one out of the lot. We'll start off with you, bro. So, when you saw the team lineup, how did, how did you feel? A certain man got dropped from the team or dropped to the bench. And I know a lot of us have been asking for this to happen. 
um, considering his performance against the, Spur, the Spuds. Um, so, yeah, what do you think of the team? And I guess it seems like quite a long while ago, but, yeah, yeah what do you think yeah. of the team? Um, so, uh, obviously... Do you want to start? Do you want to... Yeah, re- 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 All right, so the team was Mendy and Goal, Aspilicueta at right back, um, Thiago Silva, Zuma, Chilwell, with the midfield of um, Jorginho and Kante. And then we had Kai Havertz in the 10, Timo Werner on the left, Hudson was on the right, and Tammy Abraham up front. So when you saw that team, how are you feeling? Um, well, to be honest, obviously, um, it's the type of thing where we have we have options in it. So I guess it's just, it's the type of thing where obviously I was kind of I was kind of gassed to see Mount out of the team in it. Like no, I don't want to I don't want to make it sound like he's not he's not my guy. And I don't believe him. I believe him, Mount. He's just overpaid, right? So Herbert's playing in the ten actually it was a big one. Obviously, Tammy playing up front and then Werner playing on the left was another. Um, I guess um, point that stood out as well, but obviously Chilwell starting too, and obviously Aspilicueta starting at right back ahead of James, which I guess in terms of clout in it, I guess was always going to happen. We want to see James play, but Aspilicueta is club um, club captain. So yeah, um, in terms of um, the team, as much as I was confident, I didn't fully know what to expect because Palace they've got that counter attacking threat. Um, they brought in Eze now as well. Their man have got hella PMP for the counter attack. So. I guess it was more about how we were going to manage it rather than these men are on the pitch. I know exactly what to expect, if that makes sense. Pels, so when you saw the team, um, what did you think? Because, again, we've had this discussion about Mason Mount's inclusion for quite some time. Um, I guess you've said and given some rationale as to why he plays and why he starts. Um, but, yeah, what was, your, what was your feeling when you saw him at the team? No, the team, as it, as it was... Um... It's probably the most balanced lineup we could put out from an attacking perspective. Just in that there was um, a natural winger, a kind of inside forward on the other side, a, a ten of some kind, and then you're not you're forward. I think in the other games we've been a little bit experimental, either with um, Havertz nine or as a false nine, um, you know, playing a multitude of of kind of attacking mids as we did against Brighton. So this is probably the first game outside of the the cup fixtures where we started in in a probably more balanced and traditional kind of shape. Um, I feel like even though even though I know Mount's like um, admittance from the squad is like a big talking point. There's a few players that I feel like have played that probably haven't justified starting as much as they have and probably are only starting at present because there's no other option. Um, I don't think... I think like, like, I'm interested. Like, I think Timo Werner would be, would be an example of that. I think as much as Havertz has, um, has done bits and shown glimpses, I think they've both shown glimpses, but and, and probably Tammy as well, I think all of them... Well, no, nobody really has, has has shown like a, a clear or laid a, a clear marker down that they are, you know, guaranteed starters. Whilst for ta- almost for like Timo and, and Havertz, you can almost guarantee that they're going to start because of the the value and um, because their lamps are signing. Um, yeah, I, I just think it's a bit of a toss up at the minute in terms of, you know, Mount hasn't Mount, Mount hasn't played well, but I don't think Kovacic has played particularly well. I don't think. Um, Werner's played particularly well. I don't think Tammy's played particularly well, but Barnsley. Um, 
So for me, when I when I looked at the lineup, I just thought, okay, it looks quite balanced. I'm happy that um, Chilwell was in. I'm happy that Thiago and Zuma, Thiago Silva and Zuma were playing together. Um, but and and obviously Mendy. But essentially, the the squad itself, when I when I saw it, I wasn't really that hung up about um, anyone kind of not playing or 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 anything. I just guess, yeah, it, it just looked very balanced to me. Is what I'd say. Yeah, to be fair, we'll get on to Shemi's views in a second. But I remember you've been talking about our balance and lack of balance for quite some time. So I guess, even though I'm not a big fan of Timo Werner out wide, at that moment in time, we don't really have any other wide options to really play. I think Pulisic was back on the bench after a long spell out. So obviously he wasn't going to start. So I guess all things being considered, that was probably the most balanced and sensible starting lineup um that we could have probably put out maybe you could make an argument for Giroud you can make an argument for um Reece James but Shemi people say that I'm quite harsh on Tammy Abraham um what did you think of the lineup and I guess how do you think that we, we in the first half especially how do you think we performed because I feel like the first half almost was kind of forgotten by a lot of us really and truly yeah, so from, from a lineup perspective, personally, um, I was quite, I felt quite at ease when I saw the back four. So particularly when I saw Ben Chilwell, um, Thiago and Zuma, which I felt, um, which I feel complement each other really well. So I was intrigued to see that partnership and I kind of had an inkling that it would work out well. Um, I was shocked that as we started, because I, I, that was the only one I got wrong in terms of balance, because I predicted that exact, that exact lineup to start. Um, with the exception of Aspi, but I had no qualms with Aspi starting because he put in two really solid performances um, in the games beforehand. Um, in terms of Tammy, um, even though I kind of knew Lampard would go with Tammy, I was a bit disappointed because traditionally knowing Palace, um, obviously watching Palace against um, in their last game against Manchester United when they went to Old Trafford and defended like really deep, I felt that Giroud was a better option to hold up the ball and kind of had runners off of him as opposed to try and play Tammy whose game is more spinning in behind, which he, he, he did try to do, but it was quite limited in my opinion because just because of a lack of space. Um, apart from that, I pretty much expected everyone else who started to start. And I was, like I said, I was quite at ease, especially from a defensive point of view. Um, in terms of the first half, um, to be honest, it went exactly how I thought it would go. Um, I knew what Palace were coming to do. Didn't surprise me at all. Um, what I liked was that we were using the wide areas really well but when we stopped using the wide areas I think around midway first half towards the beginning of the second half that's when things slowed up and it was just pissing me off because we stopped doing what was working so um as a result of that things go it, it was a weird one it was just a weird one because I, I feel like we started off quite sharp and um I think in a, in a chat like a lot of us were saying yeah this is this looks all right this looks all right we're not you know, weren't really worried about Palace's counter threat. They tried to get away a couple of times, but the way Aspi was set up is, I guess Chilwell was the outlet, but we weren't looking for him. But when it came to the counters, Aspi was quite deep. So we just broke out quite quickly. So it, yeah. they weren't really getting into our half with the counters. Um, but you're right. Midway through the first half, we just stopped playing quick and we weren't going wide. I don't understand it. Chilwell was making that run pretty much throughout the whole half. And we just stopped looking for him, which is just weird. Um, it, was, it was very weird. But yeah, go on, bro. Yeah, yeah. So as soon as we stopped um, looking for the white areas, that's when things slowed up. And it was just like, okay, cool. Like, I started questioning how we're going to get the breakthrough. So in, in a sense, 
the way we got the first goal, I was it was it was almost like a sigh of relief the way it broke to Chilwell because I knew as soon as we got our first goal, I knew from there we were never going to lose the game personally. So um, and after that, I felt like it settled us down a little bit, even though we still went fluid in our build up and in our attack. In my opinion, Bar Havertz, um, I, it was it was good to see that the quality shone through because last season I don't feel like we, for example, the second goal we threw across into Zuma. That probably doesn't happen last season because we probably have SP playing left back. So it's a good sign. It's, it's good to see that the quality we've brought in is showing. So chill well with the cross and, you know, with really good defensive performance. And obviously the two penalties is um, speaks for itself. So, yeah, overall, um, I'm happy that it was comfortable and I'm happy with the clean sheet and I'm happy with the two centre-backs especially. It's, it's funny, Pels. When we talk about clean sheets... Um... It feels like quite a long time since we've actually had a solid and stable defensive performance. Um, what were your thoughts on the Thiago Silva and Kurt Zuma partnership? Especially, well, and who was your standout in terms of defensive performance out of the two? No, I, lo- I loved it. And I feel like last the start of last season, um, and not that we've been great at the start of this one, but the start of last season, I remember like feeling that they were so error-prone and, and like each week it was someone, someone in there doing something stupid. Um, with the West Brom game aside, I feel like we have looked pretty stable. Um, I didn't think like, I didn't think Brighton, the reason we were bad was necessarily because of the back four. It was just like we were a bit scattered and we were off the pace. Um, Liverpool, I thought as a unit in the first half, they defended quite solidly. Um, so it's nice for them to have like got that clean sheet finally. Um, but yeah, no, I just think, I just think the two of them were imperious. It's, it's At the same time though, it's difficult because when Palace set up in that way with the kind of intention just to kind of sit off and counter, you're not really going to be challenged in the way um, that you'd expect. I would like, I would love to see them against um, almost rougher and tougher strikers. Maybe like your kind of Ashley Barnes, Chris Wood type to see how they hold Yeah, Calvert Lewin. Yeah, exactly. Because Calvert Lewin did something crazy to Christensen in 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 a few of the other fixtures. So it'll be interesting. Yeah, so it'll be interesting to see how um how they cope with that. But um almost at, at it's early days, but I was I was impressed. I think the other part of it that really impressed me was like when we had offensive corners, I always knew Zuma had a leap, but I just feel like there's a there's a level of authority that, that the team is attacking some of them corners from. And I think it a lot of it is down to them. Um I think uh even Chilwell, like Chilwell's really good in the air. You'll notice the kind of crossfield passes when the balls come across, he's always up for them. The um, Spurs second half, um, I think even like in the graphic that we posted in, on Twitter earlier in the in the season, you'll see that like out of all the left backs we were linked with, he has like a really strong um, aerial dual win rate. Um, so I, I think as a team, I'm not <laughs> not to kind of give Lampard a cop out in that you know before he was talking about how um, a lot of it was just individual errors, but I do think the quality of, of some of the people we've brought in has kind of ironed those um moments out at least at least from an offensive perspective we do look a lot a lot almost like threatening um but yeah Zuma, Zuma and, and Thiago Silva and just the back four in general looked a lot more solid um I'm, I'm always happy I don't mind us be playing I don't mind us be playing as long as there is something ahead of him that we can work with um and Callum Callum gave us that but yeah so so I didn't really miss Reece James in this in this game in that way um but yeah it's funny you say that because I was speaking to Dan. Um, we're talking about, I guess, our offensive balance. And with Reese James, when he comes on, I guess when you're playing on the same side as, I guess, Callum Hudson-Odoi, who's going to try and go on the outside and get in good crosses into the box. 
I think you might be a little bit like it might be a bit of overkill to have both of them on the pitch because I can understand Frank's thinking I guess because Timo Werner is always going to try coming on the inside so I guess Chilwell is going to be available for overlaps he's going to be available on that side it's going to be free to get in crosses so it made a lot of sense now with Aspilicueta Aspi's role was definitely to to hang back and I guess protect us from the counter-attack. So it was almost like we were playing with a three at the back when it came to um, their transitions. So when things broke down, in transitional phases, we were quite fine. So Hudson was almost left alone in the second half to kind of isolate his fullback and then get past him and then try and whip him across. I don't think personally Hudson did it that often, um, but he did it enough to really, I guess, cause issues. And that's one thing that we've lacked for I guess the last couple of games but I've, that I lacked a real winger to really take on the fullback and I cause them problems I think that I think that um so I've cut you off but I think that the nature of like his his performance in the second half come from the fact that um we got the goal basically so I I, I did like I remember Shami saying in, in a group chat you know why isn't he dribbling a bit more and I think sometimes when we have like I know it's not deliberate, but I know that when we have a certain, when we see a certain type of winger play, um, we expect certain qualities from them, like stylistically. And I think a lot of people, what they see in in Callum is like San Maximan and and Adama in this like aggressive dribbling. And I actually think he's a lot more um, calm and collected in possession than that. And I don't think he's that aggressive when it comes to dribbling. I think he really assesses what's ahead of him and if he can do it and if he can't. And I'll, a lot of the time, I'll, a lot of the yeah, time when we play. What when we play kind of teams in a, in a deep block, because they're doubling up, he will typically shift a couple of times and then bounce it inside and keep it moving. I think once the goal goes in and Palace are chasing it a little bit more, you see that there's actually now more space for him to take that other option up as opposed to kind of relentlessly dribble in the same way that Adama would. He's now seeing, okay, cool, I can go left and, and pop it inside, but now I've actually got the space. And I think that's just part of his, like, good decision-making and his understanding of, of, of his abilities, basically, to say, okay, cool, now I can take Tyreek Mitchell down um, down the outside and do this. And then when he started to do that, those back heels, those crossing into Tammy, and I think he, he started to get joy. But overall, when a team is playing a, a low block, sometimes I think it's, it's it's really hard for him when they're doubling up. In the same way that he did against like Liverpool under Sarri, there was a time when like Robertson was proper tight and he just kind of kept the ball moving. Tottenham in the semi-final of the League Cup, it's a similar thing. Um, so, yeah, I, I think it's, it's, it's definitely a point that we should we should almost just, like, watch out for because I, I don't think he's sometimes maybe as aggressive a dribbler as, as I like. But I don't know if that's also partly down to confidence and run of games and, and rust and whatnot. Yeah, well, for me, when it came to, I guess, when people start talking about, oh, he's not taking people on, he's not taking people on. I mean... If he was to try and take people on, for example, um, in those instances where he's literally up against two, I guess, like fullbacks, really, um, in terms of how deep they played, he gets past Mitchell. He can then he has to size up, I guess, like almost MacArthur when you're playing. Um, I feel like you need to take into consideration what he's up against, and I feel like that's like you said, he assesses his situation. He assesses whether he can actually do it. It's not necessarily if he can do it; he probably can, but. What's the end goal? You know what I mean? If there's space to attack and he obviously gets his cross in, that's, that's the end goal. He knows that. But just dribbling man and trying to beat man just to beat them and then really having no other option after isn't really something that he's going to do. I don't think it's something that he's going to try and do. Um, 
I think he's a lot more considered in his play, generally speaking, in his wing play, especially on the right-hand side. Whereas on the left, I think he gets... I say on the left, he's a lot more... Um, a lot more varied, in my opinion. He generally is a lot more varied because he can go on the inside or outside. Um, he's got that, that foot roll thing when he, he rolls it under his foot um, and then dinks it in with his left foot. So he's, he's got a lot more variation on the left-hand side. And I think that's probably why a lot of fans have been calling for him to play out there. But ultimately, if you start looking at the composition of the team and I guess trying to get Timo Werner in the side, I think maybe on the left, for now at least, um, it might be um, something that probably like a rotational thing rather than his, um, I guess, not in base position, but where he'll probably get a look in, if you if you understand what I'm trying to say. Um, but yeah, first half performance for me, generally I looked at Kurt Zuma, who was imperious. I think that he won every challenge in the first half. He was, he was absolutely excellent. And he was comfortable under pressure, which was weird. It was weird. I... I he just seemed to be playing with a lot more confidence than, uh, you know, I guess we've seen the last over the last what year, year and a half. Um, so he, he's been very, he was very imperious, and I feel like the the communication between him and Thiago Silva was again superb. Thiago Silva's reading of the game was it's just incredible. It's incredible. It's it's almost like it, you know when you um, we haven't had a defender pretty much like JT for a long time in terms of just reading the ability to read the game. Um, Thiago Silva just sl- slots in. And just senses danger. I remember there was a couple of pullback situations that Palace had on the, on the counter, and he just managed to just drop in and just just it was just beautiful. Some some of the stuff I was seeing, I was thinking, I proper appreciate good defending. And Thiago Silva and Zuma brought that to the table. Ben Chilwell, I like you like you mentioned, um, Pels in the air. I don't again. It's it's one of those performances where I thought I don't think he lost any aerial duels, mate. He was literally every every single time the ball was on his side. And it was about he just leapt up and cleared it. Like no, no nonsense. And like you said again, in regards to quality, it's funny. We did we've criticized Lampard for talking about individual errors like over and over again. But you could definitely see a step up in quality. And as a result of the step up in quality, you could see a a, a reduced amount of errors in, I guess, or not even just errors, just slack in their play. So when you're replacing an Alonso with a, a Ben Chilwell, who's got decent carrying ability, decent ability to progress play, can pass, you know, good in the air, good crosser. Ultimately, you're already iron, you're cutting out those mistakes, like really and truly, um, cutting out that slackness. Um, so I, I, I hear Lampard, but I also don't, I think sometimes it can be a cop-out. And I don't, I don't like the constant referral to individual errors, individual errors, because all you're going to do is put pressure on the players that actually win. And then if they start making errors, then what are you going to say? You know what I mean? So it's a bit of a mess. Second half, um, to, to be honest, in terms of Kyle Havertz's performance, because I, I know a couple of people have been talking about his lack of impact um, and that he's not really stamped his authority on games, I guess, since uh, aside from the Barnsley game. What are your thoughts on Kai Havertz's, I guess, time so far? And I know it's very early. It's a bit weird to, you know, even be asking because you know there's a, an element of adjustment. Um, Shemi, what, what do you think of Kai Havertz? And do you think that people are not really appreciating what he's doing for, for us? Or or what, what do you think it is? Because I feel like there's quite a few people who are trying to say, oh, I don't really know if he's really doing enough. So what are your thoughts? So for me, I feel like naturally because of the fee and it, him being our most expensive player or like one of the most expensive 
um, pieces of business in the summer. I think naturally people are expecting him to set the world alight and to like either, if he's not like assisting, scoring, or just like literally having them showpiece moments where that's what's on the highlights, if you get what I'm trying to say, naturally, which is fair enough. But for me personally, I feel like um, he is doing well in a sense that he's doing the simple things really, really well. So whether that's turning, taking, uh, being able to receive the ball in a half term, which I feel like he's done fantastically over the past few games, especially given some of the tight errors he's received it in, or whether it's just like the quality of pass or knowing when to release the pass. So when he, when he was, for example, when he was driving through Palace and released the Verla, um, like just being able to make the right decision, things like that, not to, not to over-exaggerate the simple things, but I do feel like they matter. So um, I feel like early days, first few games, I feel like he's, he's settled in pretty well, personally. I feel like he's settled in the best out of the new group, in my opinion. And I feel like there's just so much more to come. Um, and yeah, even though he um, he didn't score or assist against Palace, I thought it was very good. I felt like just having that bit of quality in midfield, you can see the difference when um, when you have a quality midfielder, like just the way they, they tick it off and the way they receive the ball. For me, it's still how he receives the ball because he's received the ball in half term brilliantly so many times. And for me, that just creates that extra bit of space wherever you're losing that defender, which then opens up for you to make a decision. I think he's been great. So yeah, um, I think he's done, he's, done, he's done well. He's settled in calmly, but there's still so much more to come and it will show through. Yeah, I, I feel like with Havertz, I think people don't really look at the softer side of his game in a, in a sense of, they're not necessarily looking at, oh, he has to be scoring, he has to be putting up the numbers. But in terms of actual performance, I feel like he generally does quite faultless performances in the sense that everything he does tends to be high level. So the passing, the weight of pass, the touch, the, 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 again, receiving, everything is of a high level. And it's almost, it looks so easy for him people can almost assume that he'd be coasting in games, but he's working, he's moving, he's always moving off the ball, he's always looking to receive the ball in awkward and tight situations, you know what I mean? And he also works very, very hard. Um, but in terms of, like, the goals, I guess, for me, how I look at things, I'm looking at our, our I guess, our attacking fluidity. I don't think it's quite there yet, and I think maybe because, you know, Timo Werner's out wide Tammy Abraham's I don't know I, I don't really know I don't really like our patterns of play in terms of our attack um, Ben how have you thought Havertz has done and really and truly if you look at our attack how, how do you think our attack generally has done over the last four games yeah to be honest I think Havertz has been class because he's done like like Shami said he's done the simple things um, well and I think, um, especially with guys like Bruno and stuff like that, and obviously the fact that this is the Premier League, people have their agendas and all that kind of stuff. People kind of just want him to come in and just go hell for leather, if that makes sense. Whereas he's been smart and he's warmed into it, if that makes sense. Like, simple stuff first, then things will come. Even the Barnsley game, I don't even feel like he was ex exerting himself that, that much. It's just that, obviously, the quality of um, the opposition and then how we were getting the ball back meant, you know, he scored that hat-trick, if that makes sense, and played quite well without even doing, like, without even really looking like he's trying that hard, if that makes sense, right? So I think, yeah, it's, it's a thing that is coming. We saw way more encouraging signs, especially in the Palace game, like, in terms of him starting to feel a bit more comfortable and try things and all that kind of stuff. Palace was a very class performance, and he seems quite isolated, especially at, at times in the 10. So... Yeah, I think it's more of a thing where obviously our attack is not flowing like that right now because of obviously people being out, people playing in different positions, etc., etc. Um, so yeah, when things properly start to come, and you can you can kind of always tell when a player starts to feel properly comfortable at a new club, 
So I think when that happens, there's going to be a bit of trouble, especially with um, Ziyech coming back soon as well, and Pulisic being back soon. Because we saw with Pulisic, I know obviously um, Herberts is actually is more experienced than Pulisic in terms of actual game time and everything like that, right? But um, we saw Pulisic started getting more comfortable um, at Chelsea last season. Suddenly his performances start to improve. It can't be a coincidence. So, yeah, we forget that he's only been here like two, two weeks. He's only been in the country like two, three weeks. So, yeah, when he starts to get um, more comfortable... And then we start to play more of a consistent lineup in terms of the attack. That's when we'll, we'll we'll properly start to see some things. Even though right now he's doing it as it is, but it's still quite mellow. So can I quickly just can I just quickly cut in there quickly? Yeah, just yeah. to um, um, echo your point about the Barnsley game. I genuinely feel like he got that hat trick without having to go into like first gear or whatever. I genuinely feel like he's still in second gear. Do you know what I'm saying? But it's the quality, as you said, the quality of play, and that for me is what comforts me because if his quality is still able to show to show through without him being necessarily at his top level or still being in gear two. For me, I think that's promising. Promising enough. Well, I I agree. I agree. I mean, Pels, when it comes to, I guess, the way we attack and the way, you know, the fluidity of our attack, I I know you're very, very vocal on how how it's, I guess, how it's been over the last four or five games. Um, Do you think that that's really hampering, I guess, a lot of our attackers, or do you think generally it's the way our, do you think it's the personnel and I guess where they're positioned rather than the identity and the way we want to play? Because I'm looking at it as a combination of the two. Yeah, I think I think it probably is a combination of the two. I think the adaptation period for players like Werner um, and I, almost, I see the, the gelling thing, like I take it with a pinch of salt in that I know... Um, there have been other teams and other players within other teams that have come from different leagues and kind of hit the ground running. Um, and every player is different. But at the same time, a lot of a lot of those other clubs didn't have a preseason also, which is a point that's been made. And, and I think that that's that's almost worth some worth noting. With regards to, you know, um players like Werner and, and him in particular, because of because of his his style and how he's how he's kind of been able to make his name, I just think some of some of what he's done so well needs to be refined um i love I, I love that to some extent he he roams about to get the ball and he pops he pops it off and drops into little pockets and stuff but then i also think from maybe like a coaching perspective does he need more strict instruction does he need to be in a certain area to really be exploited um and to for us to get the most out of him uh I, for me when i when i watch um the team it is personal in a sense that I don't think we've got the best players that build the ball from deep in in midfield. I think in in a lot of a lot of kind of possessions, um, the centre back gives it to Kante and Kante bounces it back. I don't think his first thought is to get on half turn and turn out of trouble. Uh, I don't have a problem with that because he's fantastic at what he does, and and I can I can sacrifice that element of it, um, if if that's not what he's about. But the the kind of his partner or the the players in and around him. Um, whether it be Havertz, whether it be Jorginho, and, and because of Havertz's position or Mount's position in the team, they will typically be quite far removed from that middle third. Um, so really, you're just relying on what you'll get from your centre-half, from your full-back, and from one of those deep two to kind of link the play, and they generally aren't that good at it. From a full-back, it just goes to the wide man, and typically you'll get bounced back. Um, or you, you might hit... Um, Tammy might do the kind of arcing run and then get into a channel which, which hit once from Jorginho, but generally speaking, our our patterns in those areas are are 
quite poor, quite lethargic. Regina King for Cadillac Escalade. When people ask, Regina, do you like to compete? I say, bring it on. Those are the moments that drive you to achieve more. And when you win, you keep reaching higher. To me, that's what the Cadillac Escalade represents. It's always evolving in technology, in design, everything. Because success isn't the end, it's just the first step to what comes next. The 2021 Cadillac Escalade. Never stop arriving. Um, and I think, I think part of that's personnel, but then I also do, I, I also do think we need to recognize the difficulty in building up in that shape, basically. I think Man United have the same problem um, when teams really, really put pressure on them and, and Pogba and Matic are kind of marked heavily. They have the same issue. Um, I think one of the reasons why, you know, someone like Bayern were able to do it last year is because of the quality they had in, in someone like Thiago being able to turn out of the, um, out of the pressure. Um, the quality that they have in their fullbacks and, uh, and Alaba and, and the quality he's able to pick out, I don't think we, we have anything to that standard and as a result, we should we should try to kind of refine it. Um, at the same time, I also look at it almost from further from further up the pitch. Are the players? Do the players look comfortable breaking down teams? Not really. Um, it's, it's similar. The game I thought that game was quite similar to the Burnley game at home that we had. Um, the, the away one was like a really efficient counter attacking performance, but the Burnley game at home. Um, I think we won a penalty, scored the penalty, and then start, and then the space opened up and, and things started to flow. When I think Chelsea are just caught between two identities with regards to whether or not we want to be this real um, classy, in-possession side that breaks down the team with, with um, patience and quality, or this high-octane counter-attacking side. And in, in, in various moments in the game, it's going to change, and, and based on the opponent, different things are going to present themselves. I've always felt that we look better when teams come onto us and we've got a lot more space to attack into. There was a drive that Havertz had um, where he's carried the ball quite a long distance and, and kind of fed the ball through. That doesn't happen enough because naturally teams will drop off against us. Um, and I think if we're going to, for us to really create, we have to force the issue and we have to press better. Um, and because we don't do that, what typically happens is that we'll press, we'll get picked off. Um, or we drop off and then we're then the onus is then is then kind of given to us to, to move the ball about. Um, sorry for the long run, but this is something that's like really, really, it's, it's really common in our play. And I think um, even when we played Spurs, we had a lot of possession, but there wasn't penetration. There wasn't much creation of chances. And I think that just comes from the fact that um, the way the team structured mostly isn't that good because we had the stuff about, you know, is it player quality? Is it this? When he gets his players, now he's got his players four games in, it still looks crap. So when is it? When is that going to change, basically, is, is kind of my question. Yeah, well, for me, I've always talked about, or I've always complained that it's not necessarily, it's not necessarily the quality of player. I feel like the quality of player can only mask it so much. I feel like general, our general patterns have been lacking a lot this season. I feel like last season was a lot better. For some strange reason, I felt like early season, last season, our patterns of play was a lot better, a lot more crisp, a lot more refined, a lot more sharp. Um, but again, that could be because of the opposition we played. I remember the Norwich game was a very open game. So in transition, we looked very, very dangerous, like very dangerous. So again, the, the teams we played this season haven't really been like that. We've not been able to express ourselves in that way, or I guess be as, as dangerous as we, we showed last season because we've not really had the counter threat. We've not really been able to, I guess, yeah, express that level of, well, I guess, again, Brighton, it, 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 
it was there a little bit, but I'd say Brighton was a bit problematic. Again, that was mainly due to the a selection from Frank Lampard, for me, personally speaking. Um, Palace, we had to show a lot of patience. Um, and I felt like Jorginho had a fantastic game. Superb, actually. actually. And he did a lot of things that I was complaining about um, in the sense of his, his overall passing, I felt was a lot better. He was a lot more progressive with his passing, despite the fact that, <clears throat> despite the fact that um, Palace were deep. I felt like he was trying to progress play. He was trying to be quick, trying to be incisive. But again, halfway through the first half, kind of stopped, which was just jarring. Um, but yeah, again, second half he picked it up again. So overall, quality wise, I felt like he was. Like you said, Pels, when it comes to <clears throat> N'Golo Kante not, you know, really being the one to progress, I think he kind of took on that mantle. So I'm not too dissatisfied with that pivot, to be honest. And I, I've not really seen that pivot actually play that often, to be honest. It's usually Kante and um, Kovacic or Kante and, um, yeah, it's usually, so it's a midfield three of those, of Kante, Kovacic, Jorginho, or Kovacic and... Um, well, yeah, Kovacic and uh, Jorginho. So I've never really seen that pivot too often. And it was okay. I wouldn't say it was a fantastic, you know, midfield performance. But I like Jorginho in the sense that, for me, that was probably one of his best performances in, in general because he was progressive. And, yeah, obviously he didn't really have to do much in terms of defensive work, but just his, his, his ability on the ball and his real on the ball is what impressed me a lot um, in that game, generally. But other than that, it's not really too much for to report after the two goals. Um, I guess the penalties that came through, Tammy Abraham um, got clipped, and then uh, Pat Havertz got clipped for the pen. Jorginho, there's a little bit of um, of a, a mini spat in regards to, the, I guess, the fourth penalty. And um, Tammy Abraham wanted to take it, Timo Werner wanted to take it, and as P did what really should have done as a captain and said, Nah, none of that, just give it to Jorginho, no mess. I personally, because um, I've been quite vocal against Aspilicueta as a, an actual leader and captain, because I've not really seen that kind of leadership qualities from him. I liked it. I liked it. Personally speaking, I, I liked it. I'd, a lot of people say, oh, yeah, no, but Jorginho said, oh, yeah, it's okay to take it. I, I don't really care, to be honest. I don't really care about all that. Aspi, as captain, really is the voice. So when, once the captain says, nah, let it go, you let it go. So... I know as, um, Tammy was probably disappointing. You know, he wants to get another Premier League goal. Timo Werner probably was a little bit more disappointed as well because he wants to get it off the mark in the league. But effort, man. I, I just get the just get the goal and just keep it pushing. And then after that, we got a clean sheet. Very good defensive performance. Mendy didn't really have that much work to do. Um, and yeah, man. I, I, there's not really as much as people say it was a great performance. I wouldn't say it was great. I'd say it's a great result um, considering that how nervous we were going into the game and you know Palace have done a number of Manchester United went there and won um, I think 3-1 away from home so I was nervous I think a lot of us were generally quite nervous so to come out the game unscathed clean sheet you know and a couple of superb performances I don't think there's really much else to to really say I mean I don't really have any real complaints Pudisic is back from injury um, which is fantastic obviously it gives us another wide option and hopefully that might spell the end of Timo Werner out wide um, and yeah Hakim Ziyech apparently is um, close to fitness to fully full fitness he's currently away on international duty with Morocco 
which is a bit odd considering he's not played a game for us this season. And uh, Lampard said he's still quite a bit away from playing. Um, but it is what it is, you know what I mean? I don't, I'm hoping he's not played any games for Morocco yet, but that might be a good thing in terms of his fitness, you know, getting a little run out here and there um, in, in, on the international scene. I guess the pace of the game is a little bit different as well. So we'll see. If things are looking decent, um, I guess, in terms of, yeah, I guess in terms of our um, preparations for the season now, um, transfer windows finally shut. And although we didn't get any, well, real activity on the incoming side um, in, the, in the league, um, I guess it, well, for, for us anyway, um, we had quite a few outgoings. So we had Ruben off the sheet leaving on loan. And um, the real surprise really was Ross Barkley going to Aston Villa on loan. Um, Shim, what was your thoughts on Ross Barkley leaving on loan? Um, we talk about our lack of ball progression from midfield. We talk about our lack of creativity from midfield. So the idea of Loftus-Cheek and Ross Barkley going on loan, what are your thoughts? Um, to be honest, I I was an advocate for Ruben going, but not Barkley. So I wanted Barkley to stay. But that's genuinely because I feel like, as a squad player, he is a good option. Like So he, in terms of quality, like the step down isn't, as drastic as what you might see at some other clubs, in my opinion. So, like, you see, like, when he comes in for a League Cup game, he does a really good job. For example, the Barnsley game. Or um, when he comes on um, against Brighton, he does all right in the 10 as well. So, I feel like, as a, as a, um, a backup option, he is he is he's of sufficient quality. And the, dra- the drop-off isn't as drastic as what it has been before and what other clubs have. So, I was a bit disappointed to see Barkley go. But at the same time, I do feel like Barkley is a bit stifled at Chelsea and I've noticed it since he's been here. I feel like what you see Barkley do in a Chelsea shirt, anyone that's watching my Everton will know that this is just not what, what Ross Barkley is capable of doing. And as soon as he plays the game for Aston Villa, he's just more freed up. You see what I'm saying? So I generally feel like he hasn't been able to express himself in a Chelsea shirt partly down to system, um, partly, partly down to the way he's been used. So i.e. Conte playing wide, um, Playing in a, I'm not, I'm not sure. I'm, I don't think number eight is even his best position. I think he's a ten. Personally, I think he's best as further up the pitch as possible. So we played him as a number eight a lot as well. Um, and in a double pivot, I don't feel like again. I feel like it doesn't get the best out of him. He's restricted. So yeah, I don't. As much as I, I was disappointed to see him go from a squad perspective. It it probably is the best for both, for both parties because we're not getting the best out of him, and he's not necessarily. Get the best out of himself, really. Yeah, do, do you feel like it's a bit of a weird one, Ross Barkley? Do you feel like because he's at a big club and because he's had this reputation of being a maverick and not really being able to make the right decisions, do you think that he's almost played within himself quite a bit whilst being at Chelsea? Um, I guess it, not necessarily just in the big games or the more um testing games like in the Premier League, but do you not feel like that's just I guess not necessarily the weight of being at a big club, but almost like the expectancy for Ross Barkley to be a bit more controlled and a bit more measured. Maybe the, you know, Sari, although Sari kind of coached him into, I think, a more rounded footballer, it took away a lot of the qualities and I guess special qualities that made Ross Barkley a more, the, one of the most exciting talents of his age group. Um, do you think that kind of played the part? Pels, what, what what are your thoughts on on the Barkley loan? Um, I'm happy for him. Um, in that 
it's a world it's a, not world cup it's a euro kind of championship year and he's going to want to put himself um in kind of Gareth, Gareth Southgate's sights so in that sense it makes sense that he's gone I have been critical of Ross Barkley in that I feel I always feel left wanting I always feel a little bit bemused um by some of like his actions on the pitch so he can do like he can do two great things and probably because of like bias and and previous um previous thing that he's done maybe on a pitch and and just performances when he does the one kind of stupid thing or not stupid but poor thing or poor execution or whatever i think he gets a lot more flack than most other players probably would get uh, I, I don't think people consider that uh he really struggled with injury prior to kind of joining us and and that stifled his his first season certainly under under Conte because he joined in the January had a hamstring or injury or knee injury I can't remember um which is why we signed him late and then he just it took him quite a while to get into the team uh, I do think Sari's impact on him was was positive largely positive because I think it's something Roberto Martinez was trying to do but wasn't really you know getting the um getting the results for for me creativity wise ingenuity um just it's a lot of it's less so about kind of skill level, but and more more about intention. I don't think he's like this bonkers world class midfielder at all, but I do think that the traits that he brings and the the stuff he wants to do is vital to a team that is kind of looking to break down low blocks. Um, I've I've struggled to kind of like almost buy into Ross Barkley as a player because of probably how how much I liked him at Everton and, and what he's become. But to some extent, I think that there are good things there that that maybe haven't been um, cultivated in the way that they probably should have. Um, I, I don't think he's appreciated here. Um, I'm, a, I'm an example of that, and I can, I can kind of say that, you know, quite honestly. I don't think people appreciate him enough, and I think when, he go, when he's at Villa, um, we will probably see a much better, better one than, than we've seen. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's a loss. It's a loss in a sense that I, don't, I just don't think we've got someone that plays with a level of intention that he does to, to pass forward and to play forward. Um, but yeah, I, I, it'll be interesting to see kind of what, what, but even like someone like Ben thinks because I've never, I've never really heard like what your thoughts would be on someone like Barkley. Yeah, Ben, take the floor, man. Yeah, I don't know. So, to Barkley's a bit of a funny case. Like, I agree with Shemi in terms of he's a quality backup option in terms of like you can. He's kind of turned into this guy where before you didn't know what to expect from Ross Barkley at Everton, right? The Barkley, I guess the Barkley that we bought, but when we bought him, he was injured. And now he's just turned into this proper conservative type of passer, type of keep it moving, casual type of passer at Chelsea. And what you said was definitely correct about how for England, he looks a different player. For Aston Villa, he looks a different player. So it's a loss, but at the same time, it's not a loss because we weren't going to get the version that these men are going to get of Barkley, if that makes sense. Like what you said about the whole thing in terms of like the mental side of it, he clearly feels the pressure or he feels it a little bit more at Chelsea or he feels different mentally because he doesn't try the things that you see him trying for Villa. First game, he probably, he hadn't even trained with them up to two days. Like first game, he's already making a lot more runs off the ball. And obviously naturally you benefit in terms of having space for Villa. You benefit a lot more than you would at Chelsea. Naturally, you're going to have more space because teams are going to come onto you more being Villa rather than being Chelsea. But in terms of on the ball, Barkley, Barkley, he's, at Chelsea, it was like when there's a opportunity to perform that's and there's not too much riding on it, it's like, yeah, let me be that guy again. But as soon as it's like bring him in in like a a prem game, just an any normal prem game type of thing or 
um, any situations like that, he just kind of wants to play it safe and be that guy that keeps it moving. You know what I'm trying to say? Because for England, again, he makes a lot more runs off the ball. For Villa, we saw it against Liverpool. He ended up in the box a lot of the time. And I was thinking, is this the same Barkley? Because for us, all he wants to do is like, just keep it simple, not move that much off the ball, keep it simple, kind of look like a baller rather than trying to unlock things, if that makes sense, right? He almost, like, he almost looks like he doesn't want to do anything wrong, if that makes sense. I, I dare you. I think it's, I think it's a lot of it is down to instruction. Um, I think a lot of it is, is down to kind of what he's been asked to do, especially in, um, especially under sorry, but what, what's funny is that when we're chasing games, because I'm in agreement that I don't think that he's played that well in kind of bigger games where he started, but when we're chasing games and he comes on, I feel like he always does inject something. In um, during lockdown or the, the restart, Villa comes on, changes the game. Watford comes on, makes a difference. Um, even Brighton, um, like Shemi said earlier in the season, you know, he he does bring something, I think, when he comes. It's, it, I, and I also agree that there probably is a level of pressure and there is a level of conservatism that is required of him when he's starting because um, there's a lot maybe there's a lot more riding on the game, it feels like. I think yeah. what we, what I've what I believed was like really slow decision making or sluggishness is him considering his options a lot more. Um which which people probably like get onto him for, but the rushed kind of hurried manic Ross Barkley that we saw when he was like twenty twenty one is something people didn't like. Um That's so he's almost da- he's almost damned if he does, damned if he doesn't. Yeah, sorry to interrupt yeah, you, but to be I, I agree. I, I agree. I agree in the sense of um he's almost like he gets criticized regardless. I feel like if Ross is gonna be super expressive and try things, people are gonna get onto him and say, Oh, you're brain dead. If he doesn't try things, people can say, Oh, you're you're not the same as you used to be. So I feel like it's a weird one with him because he's so talented for me. Um, I feel like he's better off just trying things because eventually when you play, when you get to so when you go so where you're appreciated, people are gonna enjoy that. People are not gonna have a problem with that. Cause I don't think that at Everton fans actually had a problem with it. I think other people outside of Everton had a real issue with it. And I feel like at Chelsea, it's another thing. The, 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 microscope, the microscope's a bit different at Chelsea. So I guess that people, they're not going to like Mavericks. I feel like even with, say, for example, Hakim Ziyech, I think a lot of things he's going to try, it's not going to come off. People are going to be bothered by it. It's just one of those things. That's what happens with Mavericks, generally speaking. With Just on that, though, I think... The thing about like in talents here yeah, in this country is people do that a lot. So they start to project what they believe you should be onto your performances um, and onto your style. And I think he's someone that definitely suffered from that. Um, and players will get it all the time. They'll get things about, oh, he's not had enough goal to their game. He just doesn't do this enough. And I think the, the kind of outside Soccer Saturday type voices um, definitely would have had a, an impact on on how people perceived him. And and And... He had such a like, really. I remember the, the, the season where they like they wore the night kit with a white collar. He he went bald and he scored a free kick and I was like, this guy is mad. Like he's a all them runs like he scored a crazy run against um against Newcastle. Those was, those it, things. They, it, was it, was with, uh, it was with Lukaku. He was with Lukaku in that. Yeah, 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 that season bonkers. And it's it's, it's, it's so mad that like in those years, like the things that were really really making him good, people were asking him to stop doing because of because of maybe like the. I don't know the pass accuracy or the some of the poor execution at times, or and obviously like like he's gotten older, and as you get older, I think maybe 
you play with a little bit less risk. Um, he's, he's had more experience. He's had injuries. All of those sorts of things probably factor into the sort of player he is now. Um, but yeah, no, good luck to him, man. He's a, he's a, he's a good player. So, with Ross Barkley, what do you do when he comes back from loan? Like, if he has a great loan, um, which a lot of people expect him to have, and if you judge it by the first game um, against Liverpool, I, I kind of think he'd, he's going to have a good loan. But what do you do with him? Do you sell him? Uh, obviously, uh, on a, I think he's got two years left. So, yeah, what, what, what do you do? Do you bring him back into the fold or do you sell him? Because really and truly, is there going to be another, is there going to be enough space for a loftus cheek? And uh... Haverty's Furniture is here to help you get set for the season with up to $1,000 off. So you can set the stage with style and set the bar more beautifully. So why not settle in together on a new sofa? Because being at home doesn't mean having to settle for less. Even though the holidays feel a little different this year, Haverty's Furniture can help you create the perfect holiday setting with up to $1,000 off plus 0% interest. I guess uh, all of us Barkley's back in the same side. And like Gallagher the and all of these yeah, other guys that we What do you do? Do you sell him? I think it depends on... I think it's a toss-up. I think it depends on who does the best out on loan. I think it will also depend on how the players here are performing. I, I still get the feeling that um, players like Jorginho aren't fancied as much as maybe like everyone thinks. I don't. I, I don't know if like people remember, but we come back in the restart and he like literally missed like four or five games in a row. So I can't. I can't for the life of me um, believe that people are believing that Lampard really is having someone like Jorginho. So I do think. Um, that I think a lot of that will have been driven by by the Euros. Um, and I think if he puts in the sort of season that he's capable of, um, he's going to have like a real chance to come back. Um, or he, he would have done so well that he's not willing to kind of accept the type of role that he was playing in previously. And he'll want to kind of, um, he'll want to, you know, get minutes and start and, and, and be in England squad every week or, or every so month or so, whatever it is. Yeah, I feel like this alone really was for him. I think in a sense of, he wants to play. He wants to get back into the England team. But most importantly, restart his career. Because I feel like it's been on hold for quite a bit whilst being at Chelsea. Although he's been getting picked for England and stuff, I feel like his stock as a player has decreased quite a bit. Um, and I also feel like he's at the age, he's 26 now. He wants to be playing frequently. I, I don't I don't think Barkley is the type of player that you could just have on the bench and is a squad player. I don't. I don't really like the notion of him being considered one. You know, I think he's good enough to start for a good team. I just think, yeah, that needs to just, I think probably him being on loan is probably for him to be putting himself in the shop window again. You know what I mean? So I think he's only got like 18 months left on his deal um, or maybe two years left on his deal. I think after this year, he'll be all right. I think as long as you just, yeah, I think there's, I think there's a plan for him generally after this season. If he has a good season, he's going to try and look to move, in my opinion. And I think that's a sensible thing for him to do, really and truly. Because why are you going to be at this? Especially if you have a good season at Villa, why on earth would you try and go back to Chelsea's bench? It doesn't make any sense, to be honest. But yeah, that's that one of them ones, really. I think it's time, you know, it, it's not really been a great move for him. I think generally he's been in London, you know. And they, I don't think he's won, a, he's won the Europa League. So I think it's really... You know, for him anyway, it'd probably be best for him to 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 move on. But in terms of other loans, I lost this cheek. Um, 
I think everyone can agree that Ruben pretty much needed to go on loan because um, he wasn't going to get the game time that was required of him to get back to full match sharpness. Um, what do you think of the Fulham loan? Because I didn't like the team. I, I, I don't like the fact he's gone to Fulham um, simply because I know that they're probably going to be swimming against the tide in terms of relegation. But people say, you know, he's going to be playing often. Shem, um, what do you think of the loan? Um, and would Fulham be the... I guess you can't say the ideal place to send him because really it's all about who wants him. But what are your thoughts on Ruben going to Fulham? So first of all, I think Ruben is capable of paying for a team that's better than Fulham in that sense. Um, I I can't lie. I haven't watched Fulham as much to kind of know how he will fit and how that will benefit him or not benefit him. I think Ben's more 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 like knowledgeable in that sense. But generally, um, I just feel like from a first standing point of view, him getting game time is naturally going to um, help him get back to where he was on the Sari. Um, and I feel like he'll get that in abundance at Fulham. Um, what I'm not sure about is how, because him going to Fulham, he's naturally going to be one of the best players there, I do, probably off the top of my head. Um, whether he can kind of be that guy to like carry them, I'm not sure yet. I'm not sure of that remains to be seen. But um, I'm happy in the sense that I know he's going to play every week. That's mainly what I can say on that one. Um, but in terms of how Fulham play and whether he'll fit in there, it remains to be seen for me because I haven't analysed Fulham as much. So that one I'll be. I'll keep my my. Pels, what are your thoughts? Because I think he will be playing every week. I'm hoping he's going to be playing every week. But I think that Fulham do actually play quite decent football. I just feel like Fulham's defence is just horrible. Yeah. Um, so what are your thoughts, man? Defence is horrible. Um, they don't have enough quality. They're not going to stay up. But um, the the formation that they started the season with, and they've they've kind of gone to a back three at times, but I think they will revert back to a four. Um, they play they play a, a double pivot and a ten. I think he he can slot in in either of those. At times they've had to move um, Cabano into the ten, who's a winger. And I think that that's, that is part of the reason why they probably wanted to go and get someone like Loftus-Cheek um, because it's probably between someone like Josh Onomar, um, Bobby Reed. I think Ruben is easily at the top of that list. Um, they brought in a few. They brought in a few players as well um, in Lookman, in um, Anderson, in Adarabayoyo, and Ola Aina. I feel like they are trying to do everything they possibly can to just get the, the quality level up. So it'll be interesting to see what the team looks like um post the international break. He's he's in a he's in a he's in a position and I think what Shemi what Shemi said about him being that guy, it's gonna be difficult for him because he's not had a lot of football at all. Um so when I where if I was to compare him to someone like in a similar situation in like Jack Grealish last year, Grealish probably at the he's almost hitting his prime at this point. He's had a, quite a lot of football Two two seasons in the championship. Um, I think he did have an injury at a point, but two seasons in the championship. He's now coming into his third. This season now, like the performance against Liverpool, that was top draw from Grealish. You know what I mean? And I just think to myself um, that Ruben needs a season like this and 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 probably another one for him to to really get fit and firing. And I think playing thirty games, thirty two games, playing a variety of roles, whether it be at the ten deeper, um, all of that stuff is going to be massively important irrespective of how the team does. I think obviously or naturally it'll be better if they if they stay up and they and he's a driving force in that. 
but ultimately it's just about him playing games, playing 33 games and and, and making making himself getting himself used, sorry, used to um you know the the, the kind of rigors of the of the league. I, I agree. I feel like this loan is really for him to be set up to come back really and truly. Um but the only way he's gonna come back and actually play a part at Chelsea is if he gets consistent games at Fulham. So this is almost like a make or break season for for Ruben, which is a, a weird one. Um, because obviously they've given him a new five year contract last season. Some people could say that, or some people might say that that might be the wrong thing to do. I think he's on 150k a week. I don't know if that's the exact figure, but that's the rumored figure. Um, so from a business sense, and I guess I guess looking after him as well, considering that he did get injured during a charity game, which was quite needless for him to be playing in before a European Cup final. Um, but I do think that this is almost like a make or break season for him. Um, Cause I feel like if he stays fit and plays at least 30 games, I think it, it, it'll put him in good stead and just physically and gen- just generally, he's a very, very talented footballer. So his quality will shine through if he's playing consistently. So I think for him, this is the most important season of his career. On, uh, it sounds a bit dramatic, but for me, I think this is the most important season of his career because with, without this, if he didn't go on loan, I'd be really, really worried for him. Really worried for him because he's what he's turning 25 this year. He really needs to kick on. And at this moment in time, people can really say he's still trying to establish himself as a footballer, which is crazy. For a player of his ability, for a player of his talent, he's still trying to establish himself at 25. That can't run really and truly. And I think that's why he generally pushed for the loan. And I don't blame him. I generally don't blame him because if he knows that he's not going to play, he's not going to start, then what's he doing here? What's he doing here? It makes no sense for him to just stay here and, you know, come on every 10, get a 10 minutes here or there every weekend. It doesn't make any sense. It makes no sense. So I think the Ruben loan makes a lot of sense for himself and for Chelsea Football Club because with a player of his talent level and his ability, if you get a fit and firing Ruben off the cheek, it could change the dimension and the dynamic of our, our midfield. So, we can only hope that he comes back fit and firing after a good season um, with Fulham. But again, it remains to be seen, man. It remains to be seen. So with those loans, I guess our midfield people will say that, well, we've got quite a few things lacking, a few things missing. Um, we missed out on Declan Rice, missed out on whatever. Um, because people say that he was a missing piece for our team. Um, we're also we're linked with um, Thomas Party at the end um, of the transfer window. Um, what are your thoughts on our midfield as it is currently? And I guess without Declan Rice and um, Thomas Party, I guess. Um, but what are your thoughts on our midfield? Do you still think that we lack um, a severe amount of PMP, or do you think we can cope just for this season as well? You can you can take the floor, Shemi. Uh, I was going to say I think Ben because me and Ben have had a couple conversations this one, so I think. I want to hear what he has to say on that one as well. Uh, I don't know. PMP-wise, it's a little bit... I will, Obviously, in terms of the midfield, I see it as like... I see it as two sections, if that makes sense. And obviously, it's become a lot clearer since um, Barkley and Ruben went on loan. But obviously, I see Kovacic, Kante and Jorginho as the... Um, those are their three in their own little... They compete with each other, essentially, right? Um, unless obviously certain games where you know things change, but on on the on the most part they compete with each other. 
I don't know. It's going to be a bit difficult. Like, if Kante gets injured, I'm thinking to, to myself, what is our backup options at this point, especially in terms of having something different? I think the whole idea of having bringing in Rice and then being linked to a party is having something different. If you look at our midfield options, the three of those in the deep positions are very different, right? So I think um, in terms of us being linked to them, it was, it was about having our bases covered. And I don't think our bases are covered, especially when we when we um, have let other players who can play deep go on loan. Maybe not powerhouses defensively, but they're also people that can play in a deep position. So if Kante has another season like he had last season, I mean, it will be good for certain things, like obviously the building out. Like I always felt like we were at our strongest in terms of building from deep when it was Jorginho and Kovacic. Um, but if Kante does get injured... Uh, especially with the schedule, the way the schedule is this season. Kovacic is quite durable as well, but if he picks up something or Jorginho picks up something, we're, we're in trouble because Ampadu's gone out on loan. Even Gilmore, who I don't, I, I, he can play there, but I wouldn't want to see him just be put there anyhow, if that makes sense. There's a, there, I think we'd be in some trouble in terms of cover for that deep position. But yeah, no, in terms of like the whole PNP thing, I guess we can hack it, but to a certain extent, it, it really just depends on the way we're set up. I think we... um. We firmed it a lot of times last season where we thought we would get pammed when we looked at the starting lineup. And if I look at times when we've actually been pammed in the midfield for PMP, I can only probably count them on one hand, which is probably less times than I thought we would have going into the start of the season. So I guess it, it just depends on injuries and things as well. So mm, I'm, I'm, I don't know. I feel like if Kante isn't playing, I'd be very, very concerned um, because I feel like when it comes to PMP, if you press on uh, a Kovacic and Jorginho midfield, or you press on uh, a Kante and Kovacic midfield, it's quite concerning for me. Um, I feel like, again, the Spurs game, which is a prime example, we had control of the midfield for the first half. The moment that they just added a slight bit of aggression, it was all over. Like Our midfield was done, dusted. You know what I mean? Kante came on to reassert himself, I guess, to a degree. But for me, it weren't enough. It weren't enough. We need a stiff midfielder in there um, when it comes to the, the physical battles. Um, and I think there's been a lot of talk at the possibility of maybe Reese James being a midfielder or being a midfield. Um, but that remains to be seen. I don't know. I feel like PMP could definitely trouble us this season massively. Um, so I, I I'm concerned. Sorry, not to cut you off. I think in terms of like the whole when the Kovacic and Jorginho play, like for example, last season against Watford, I expected them to get pammed in certain parts, certain times of the game, and they didn't. They pretty much controlled the whole game. So it's almost like me and obviously um, Shemi have talked about this loads in terms of the whole juxtaposition with Kante. And in terms of you know what he gives you, and it always feels disrespectful to leave him out. But in mm. certain games, it's like yes, we win the ball better back with him, but we also have a lot more of the ball when he doesn't play and we keep it a lot better and build a lot better. So it's a little bit difficult in terms of um, the situation, in terms of when he plays, if that makes sense. I think that's what Lampard's trying to do. I think with a lot of the players, it's about having options and putting the right options together, depending on the opposition, if that makes sense, right? But um, yeah, no, it could be a little bit political in, in certain games this season. I'm a little bit worried about it purely even on a cover level as well. Like, if we had got that one guy who is the conventional DM, because we don't have one conventional DM. Kante isn't a DM. Jorginho mm -hmm. is a register. And Kovacic is like, he's um he's the man that's mainly responsible for ball progression, does a bit, of course, quite a bit defensively as well. He helps out in all um aspects, but he's not like one definitive um type of yeah. player in terms of, 
given us something, especially defensively. So I guess if you got that one person who you would say is a conventional DM, like a let's say like a Casemiro or like a Fernandinho, I'm not saying we should get. I'm talking about in terms of the the type, right? Which I guess a Rice would have been or a Party would have been. But at the same time, how do we? The Rice price wasn't making no sense. And Party, how do we get him and just stick him on our bench? You know what I'm trying to say? Just quickly, just quickly on the party one, yeah. Is party? I've watched a bit of party. I, I like him. I think he's top, top notch. But is he the type to sit? Is he the type of stiff midfielder that you you guys can do? Because this is the thing. So the thing with party. So the thing is with party. Yeah. Um. That, there's a lot of there's a misconception. Um. Because they think that he's one type of midfielder. He could do it all. To be yeah. honest, party could do it all. And that's not to say that he can't sit. Because he comfortably can sit, very, very comfortably he can sit. So I, I don't think it's an issue. I think that if you're asking him to sit there, whilst you're taking a little bit away from him in terms of like his dribbling technique, his ability to carry the ball, I don't think most D, most DMs generally will move out of position sometimes. You know what I mean? Uh, so he can still showcase that. And as Chelsea are the progressors and the aggressors, generally speaking, he can do that still. But as a sitting midfielder, he could sit there and be stiff and solid, a million percent. And I wouldn't take too out for me. That wouldn't take too much away from him, um, generally speaking, because he'll still be superb in doing that. You know what I mean? But yeah, sorry to cut you. You can continue. Oh no, it's cool. It's cool. Um, personally, I I don't know. I personally wasn't in the camp of wanting a DM as much as everyone else. I don't know. I felt I felt quite alone in that respect, simply because I feel like we can revisit the situation in January. I feel like we've got enough to get to January, at least. I know it's difficult to buy players in January, but I do feel like we can get there relatively unscathed. Um, another thing is, I feel like last season, I, I, I can't remember off the top of my head, correct me if I'm wrong, I don't feel like there were too many games where we lost because our midfield was completely overrun or because we had no control. I feel like for the um, especially first first half of the season when Kante was missing, I feel like Jorginho, when Jorginho and Cover played together in the two, I feel like we controlled the midfield quite well, largely in a lot of games for me personally. Um, so coming off the back of last season, I was pretty satisfied with my midfield. I won't lie to you. Um, even seeing Kante do a job in a single pivot against the smaller teams um, post lockdown, and then even against um, against uh, West Brom second half. I thought, yeah, like decent options. So for me personally, I wasn't I wasn't someone that was really counting for a midfielder um just right in this moment in time. And I feel like we can revisit the situation in January. I feel like we can get it can get to January as long as we don't get pad of injuries. But that's touch wood, isn't it? So okay. So in terms of being over anime field, you don't think that we needed a DM per se. But that being said, in terms of progression and ball progression and incisive passing from our midfield and creativity from our midfield, do you think that's enough? I think that Partey can give you that. And that's probably why I was like on the party train, really and truly. Because um, he, he can definitely give you that, those incisive passes. He's good in build-up, good technically, and obviously he's very, very strong physically. So, I don't know. I've, I don't know about the idea of, you know, not getting a DM of that ilk because I feel like when you get when you see a player like Party available on the market for me who I I think one of the best DMs in the world I I'd do it I'd do it and I feel like especially if you're looking for a player and you're so hung up over a player like Declan Rice who's a DM um 
quite clearly is something that I think Frank obviously thinks that we lack. So, yeah, for, for me, also, I think it's something quickly, that comes needed. Sorry, 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 just quickly, another, another reason why I wasn't too, like, um, I didn't pay too much attention to getting the DM is because um, my thing is, because we've signed, how, how many players have we signed? We've signed, like, seven players this, this window. Yeah. Well, like, lots of bed in. You know what I'm saying? Like, for me, I'm a big, I'm a big believer that of not signing too many because it's 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 a lot to kind of figure out because you know Lampard's inexperienced as it is and I feel like it'd just be a lot for him to kind of figure out how to kind of get everyone in especially someone like Partey because Partey is a super like he's he's top top level so he has to play do you get me it's not like Declan Rice, Declan Rice where if he's not playing it's not too much of a big fuss kind of thing because of because of the stat the status of player but someone of Partey's caliber and his status he has to play so it's like we don't have to bed him in. Like, we have to... ZH, Werner, all of these has to come together. So, in a sense, a part of me was just like, right, let's chill now. Let's work on what we have now and then assess what is wrong with what we've bought, sort of thing, if that makes sense. And let's see if more could be added later on down the line. But for me personally, I feel like for what we have now, I feel like we kind of just need to focus on Jenny D's lot first and then more later. Yeah, that's a fair point, I guess. No, that's fair. That's fair. I, I can't read. Regina King for Cadillac Escalade. When people ask, Regina, do you like to compete? I say, bring it on. Those are the moments that drive you to achieve more. And when you win, you keep reaching higher. To me, that's what the Cadillac Escalade represents. It's always evolving in technology, in design, everything. Because success isn't the end. It's just the first step to what comes next. The 2021 Cadillac Escalade. Never stop arriving. The argue with that. I feel like we've bought, what, seven first-team players. Um, six are going to be in current use, and you probably presume that six of them will be starting. Um, so, yeah, I, I understand it for me. Um, that being said, the player party's ability and quality, I, I bring him in at any time, really and truly. Um, but onwards, I guess, we look at the, the game against Southampton um, on the 17th. It seems quite a way away now but um what are your thoughts because Southampton they've not really been in great form but they've got an attack that can really trouble us and I believe it's away from home I don't remember no actually it's at home but yeah as a result I'm thinking Southampton will probably trouble us defensively so it'll be a really good test in my opinion for that mid well for that defense of Zuma and um Thiago Silva but we hope that that's the that's the defence that plays because you know Frank Lampard likes to chop and change it um, but what are your thoughts on the game how do you think that game's going to pan out and really what would be your starting 11 um, for that game um, all things considered Pudisic back from injury Ziyech back from injury Ben what would be your starting 11 and how are you feeling about that game generally listen in that game I'm going to need all the ball players from all the ball players yeah, need to be in that starting eleven because Southampton's press comes different. And they're actually quite smart with it. But at the same time, they're hella vulnerable if you can beat that press, right? So we saw against, obviously, we're not, like, like we've had our struggles in terms of playing out from the back are a completely different level and calibre to Man United struggles in terms of they can't do the basics. Mm. Also, just not on the level that it, sh- it has been and should have been, if that makes sense, right? So um, that's a game where I guess it's going to be kind of a toss-up in the midfield, in, terms, in Lampard's head at least, where I think sometimes it can affect us in terms of the whole playing up from the back with whether Kante plays or not, essentially. Because when Kante plays, it, you're basically saying we're going to surrender some of the ball and win it back, which I guess is the safer option. 
rather than saying, no, we're going to have Jorginho and, and um, Karim Kovacic and we're really going to impose ourselves and, and control this game and control the midfield and play out and take risks, basically, right? And that's where I think we got stuck in between. Um, we got basically stuck in limbo at, at points, especially after the restart. But in terms of this game, I think I'd have to go... I think Christensen would have to come back in for me because as much as Zuma has done well, I still... Chemi knows. Chemi knows that with Zuma, things can be calm and he can just go and play a through ball for the striker. He hasn't done it yet. But when you watch him, you feel like the possibility is always there. So I'm going to need Christensen and Altamori. Uh, I don't mind. Um, and Thiago Silva at the back in terms of centre-back. Uh, I'm going to need Rich James. Well, I, I, don't, I don't think he's going to play. I think he'll probably go with Aspie, but I'm going to need Rich James really at right-back, um, Chile at left-back, um, double piv of um, of Jorginho and Kovacic, or maybe a 4-3-3, depending on um, how we see the game going. But that can change. If it's Jorginho and Kovacic, it can change regardless, right? Um, and then obviously Havertz um, ahead of them. And then, obviously, it depends on how fit Ziyech is, but Ziyech on the right, Pulisic or Hudson-Odoi back on the left, depending on all fitness and sharpness, and Werner up top, because Spurs showed as well, if you can get through that press, this is the type of game where Werner should be eating now. You know what I'm trying to say? He hasn't scored his first Prem goal, but he's looked bright, especially in terms of making runs. And I, I don't think it's there in terms of the understanding yet, because he's made some really, really good runs consistently in our games, and he hasn't been found. But this is the type of game, especially with their high line. And Nagelsmann said it as well when he left um, Leipzig about if there's going to be space, then Werner's going to eat, if that makes sense, right? And that is the type of game where there's going to be space. We just need to be daring enough to create that space. But would you say that we are daring enough? Because I don't know. Obviously, if, so. if, you have, if, you have, if you have someone like a Hakim Ziyech, who's a maverick, and really and truly will do what he wants, to be honest, because he's good and he's got the capacity to do what he wants because he's he's just a superb player. Yeah. If you do play a Hakim Ziyech, and I guess if he's in the squad, yeah. Pels, do you think that that adds a different dimension to our attack? And I guess it almost, when you get a Maverick like Ziyech, it almost makes the attack better because it's a lot less rigid. It's a lot more, I'd, I'd almost like, because of his Maverick play, it makes us a little bit more fluid and a bit more unpredictable. Um, Pels, what do you what do you think um, with the possibility of Hakim Ziyech being back after the international break? Um, how do you set up against um, Southampton? And would Ziyech be in your starting eleven? Um, he wouldn't be in my starting eleven if he's not one hundred percent fit. Uh, stylistically, I think he adds something that we currently don't have. I think he. I don't know. I, I want to challenge the kind of concept that he, he does what he wants. I feel like his his go to from what I see is is just like this like final ball, and um, he's very he, he just comes across very creative, and I, and I think that um, it's something we lack in terms of players producing things fairly far away from the goal. Basically, I think a lot of our players do their damage in and around the eighteen yard box, 25, 20 yards away from goal. I feel like he's someone that will float a lot deeper, hit a crossfield pass, or float a lot deeper. You know, play the kind of the, the lobbed through balls into Callum like he did in in um, against Brighton. He just seemed, and and he's a tireless worker, and I think he's a he's someone that um, will be a massive asset. But if he's not fit, then I probably wouldn't play him. I I, I see him doing a better job of facilitating um, play a little bit deeper than maybe some of the more traditional kind of centre mids would do. Well, not necessarily from a central midfield position, but you know, whether it's in a half space or 
wide right and someone's kind of overlapping around him. I think when you watch him, you're kind of waiting for something to happen. Um, whereas with someone like Havertz, I think when he drops deeper, he's dropping deeper to get a feel a feel for the ball and to move it on and, and to just almost stay involved in play as opposed to kind of get it deep, turn and face the goal and, and really um, create something out of nothing. That's not to say he's not got stardust and, and that sort of quality, but I just think Ziak is, is probably, is more his go-to to play in that way. Um, so yeah, I think if, when, he, when he plays, I think we'll, we will look a different side and I think that that's kind of what happens when the, the level of individual quality goes up or, and you and you mesh the right players together. I think if we don't, even if we don't get the best kind of um, automated patterns going, if we've got a group of players that are, are well-balanced, um, cohesive, and they all complement each other well, whether it be someone making runs, someone showing defeat, someone um, that has a tendency to play full balls forward, someone that has good tendency to kind of hold up the ball. Once you start to mesh those sorts of styles together in your attack, slowly but surely, um, things start to click. And I think that the one thing that maybe we, we skated over a bit, or actually someone did mention, um, is even the, like, the balance of having Chihuahua and Aspi, I think is important in that you don't have two fullbacks that are absolutely flying and then in transition, you're kind of shot. I think there was like a lot more balance, even from that from that perspective, balance in the pivot. Um, so it'll be interesting. I, I, I would stick with the same team. Um, and if, if Ziyech was fit, and Werner can almost be well advised and instructed. I'd probably go Werner down the middle, um, Cal left, Ziek right. Um, but if Ziek's not fit, I'd, I'd stick with what we had. That's fair enough. That's what I, I was thinking because Pulisic he came on the other day, I was thinking maybe it might be a Pulisic and Callum wide situation. I'll be shocked if you uh, play the two of them together. Right. I, I can see why. I can see why. Um, simply because I don't think they're the super defen- well, defensive-minded in terms of being switched on defensively. Um, I know Pulisic is very hard-working. Callum Hudson does as well. But I kind of think that Lampard sees them as similar players, even though they're not. Um, so I can see why you say that. Um, and also, we need goals. Um, yeah, and, Ver- and I think Werner is in the team to kind of do that Salah type. Go and yeah. get Aubameyang, go and get me my nitty gritty. Um, so yeah. I, can, I can imagine, I imagine if if Ziyech isn't fit, Werner stays wide. Tammy, um, and I, I think Tammy almost brought him, brought his way into the side with that performance in the Carabao Cup. I don't think yeah. his grace period is is as large as it was last season. Um, yeah. But definitely, he he. He's kind of etched his way into the into starting lineup at least for now, um, and obviously Giroud's knocking on the door, so it it could be that um, I just I just don't see one of both Fusik and Cal starting because I don't I see Werner as the most Werner and Havertz as like the untouchables at present. Yeah, no, that's fair. But then at the same time, I don't I wouldn't change Havertz playing. I'd start Havertz always. Um, Werner. I'd play him. I'd play him centrally. I'd play him centrally because I think it's better suited to a game like Southampton in transition. Yes. When because Southampton, when they do get the ball, and they they're quite expensive. They're quite an expensive side. So to me, it makes perfect sense. And I think they play, they play four four two. They play a four four two. So yeah, yes. Yeah, so I, I just feel like it will make a lot more sense to play a Werner. 
um, Tammy Abraham hasn't really set the world alight when it, after that Burnley game, a uh, Barnsley game. Sorry, um, been quite disappointing to be perfectly honest. So, yeah, for me, I play Timo Werner up front because I don't think he looks comfortable out wide at all. In fact, he looks poor out wide. So, nah, I, 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 I'm hoping, I'm hoping Frank adjusts and changes his team, has Timo up front, and if we can get. 20, 30 minutes out of ZH on the right and whether Pulisic or Hudson come off, then I, I'm all for it. I'm all I for think, it, really. I think it will feel a little bit like a... Um, this is not just because Hudson was managing the Bundesliga, but I do think it will feel a little bit more like a Bundesliga game, which might be... Which might yeah. make it easier for someone like Werner um, yeah. in that they press, um, the line's quite high, the, they, I feel like they leave quite a bit of space. I'm... I'm one of the, I don't and I don't know if this is just a tactic that they used when they played against Man United because they were playing against Man United, but mm. they swamped them. They really, really swamped them. And I think if they do the same thing and we go more direct in behind, um, that is something that could work in our favour. The issue is, is that when we've played in the past, I don't think we've released Werner quick enough. Um, mm. And I think, again, that's about the tendencies of the players that we have. I think if Ziyech plays, he hits those passes. Um, whereas the players that are currently playing aren't as likely to do that. The one thing I would, my one like, um, the, the thing that's kind of a red flag for me really is um, is really just around the way we manage the intensity of Southampton. Because I know um, Shemi alluded to him not feeling like the midfield is the issue. Um, but I do, I think we're really soft. And I think that um, we don't have like the steel necessary. And as a team, I don't think we manage or we've we've managed shifts in momentum very well. The Spurs yeah. game um, was an example of that. I'd like I said I think when we played um, Everton against you know when Duncan Duncan Ferguson gave them that new manager bounce, and there was Goodison was like buzzing. I don't think we managed the kind of intensity well. Bayern, I don't think we managed the intensity well. Um, I could I could list a few, um, and I and I just think that part of that is down to, yes, the structure and how we play, but also just down to the bodies and the types of characters we have. I think Kante calmed the game down again in the League Cup against Spurs. Um, but I don't... When I see um, Georgino getting ragdolled by Buendia, you know, that Carra Road... Don't get me side. Don't get me side. I'm not really excited <laughs> to, to see what might come of um, a kind of a high-octane, high-intensity high Southampton. So it'll be interesting Bro, to see how we manage that. Don't get me started, bro. This is what I was saying. Like, I, I said to Shimmy, I was like, look, he said, oh, yeah, midfield is quite calm. I'm like, bro. <laughs> these men, if you press on this is why I always say competition is essential, fam. When is Georgina... No, 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 no. He's part of the misconception. When is Georgina or Kante, something is liable to go wrong. No, 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 no. When Jorginho and Kante pivot looked a lot more solid than any other any other combination between the two. So, so Kovacic, so Kovacic and Kante soft. No, no, Georgino, let me let me land. A Jorginho and Kovacic soft. I guess I guess Spurs again. The moment you just press onto them with aggression, they are paper thin. Like in terms of just their capacity to deal with it. They have no capacity to deal with intensity at all. 
at all. I'm seeing Lamella fist up Kovacic. I'm seeing Bergwijn fist up Kovacic. I'm seeing every man, every single one of them fisting them up. Every, I'm thinking, what? Nah, man. So, like, when you've got Kansas, so for me, the only thing that you 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 lack with a Kante and Jorginho um, pivot is Kante's ball progression. But with Kante, yeah. he adds a little bit of bite, at the very least, in that midfield. And I don't think that you could really, for me, I wouldn't forego it, really and truly, especially against the Southampton. On the highest of keys, you missed the ball, ball progression from Jorginho too, but he just flatters the deceiver. That's what I think. On God, on Crip, on all of them. I'm telling you, we got to do that. We got to talk about this. We're not going to say too much, though. After a good performance, we're not going to talk too much about Jorginho, though. But that's on that's on God on them. I think it just depends on how brave you want to be, though, man. I hear what you men are saying, isn't it? But at the same time, it's like you know when they say you gotta put in the right parameters for certain people to do well. Like the Jorginho Kante one again. There's certain teams that you there's only certain teams you can play that against. Same thing with Kovacic, Jorginho. But I think I was I was saying to Shemi all the time as well, especially last season. Kovacic is essential for me. He can play with either against most teams, right? And I think mm-hmm. the reason why that man got fisted up in that second half versus Spurs is because nothing was going on ahead of the ball. In terms of the whole, Mount was was doing a Betis, yeah? And he just looked yeah. knackered, right? But in terms of when you're being pressed, right, you need an out. You know what I'm trying to say? And there was no out at all. So they had to hold on to the ball extra second, extra two seconds. And that's why they were getting pammed. I think most teams, when um, other things ahead of them are functioning and everything's functioning how it's, it's, um, it's meant to, they have been a lot more precious. They've been precious a lot more times than they've been susceptible to stuff. So I, as much as I hear what you're saying, I think the man ahead of them have to take some responsibility as well because they didn't seem like they knew what they were doing in terms of giving them an option. You know what I'm trying to say? Yeah, but... <sighs> I hear you in a sense of Mount. I did an analysis on Mason Mount's performance, so I can understand what you're saying in terms of them getting nothing up front. I guess the, the movement up front was lacking in in the sense that Mount wasn't really dropping us to the hole to help. But, 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 where you get two players like Kovacic and Jorginho that aren't really great ball progressors generally, that in terms of their passing especially, it doesn't really get that far. So it doesn't get that far. Like, they get the ball and then they get stepped onto and pressed, get dispossessed, and then... You, you, we're already taking Mount out of the game, really, because at this point, they're not bypassing that midfield. You're getting pressed onto. Physically, you can't stand up to the challenge, and we lose the ball, then they're onto us. I don't really... I, the, the idea that we can solely blame Mount or put a lot of blame onto Mount in those regards, for me, it doesn't really wash. Now, for whilst me, that Mount, just wait, wait, wait. So whilst oh. Mount doesn't hasn't well in, in especially in that game in particular didn't necessarily come down to help and facilitate i also think that the midfield generally weren't being progressive enough in their passing because physically they couldn't stand up to the test that's my that's my general belief in against palace what we made uh, what kante i guess made up for in terms of the lack of progression is his ability under pressure i think generally kante is quite decent at one touch in yeah, fact, he's very good at one-touch passing. Very good at one-touch passing. But in against Palace, for example, where they're not super high in their press, super intense in their press, you can kind of get away with it. And also, Jorginho had a lot of time and space to pick out passes. In, in other games, 
even when he's getting pressed to death, Jorginho isn't making those passes. We, we we can't we can't can't cover our eyes. You know what I mean? Jorginho isn't making those passes in games where he's been pressed to death. I, I, I see it all the time. I see it all the time. And I'm not a hater of Jorginho. I'm just being objective. When it comes to Jorginho, under pressure, he is not making those passes. So I don't I don't agree with the 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 ideology that you play Kovacic and Jorginho um or, or you play Kovacic all the time. No, I I don't believe that one bit. One bit. One bit. I think I for high level games, mm-hmm. I feel like for high level games, you play a midfield three of Kovacic, Jorginho, and Kante. High for like the highest level games. I, I get that. For balance as well. Yeah, but, and in terms of like against the top teams, I definitely hear that. But in terms of like when we're being pressed, as much as I hear you in terms of like Jorginho doesn't make that pass when he's being pressed, he doesn't need to because if you look at it in terms of when they're actually pressing, what are they doing? And their midfielders are moving out of position. So you don't need to make the killer pass. You literally just need to keep it moving and keep your team in possession to the, to the point where the ball is going to go forward into like the 10 space and then it's time to eat. Or the boy's going to go forward into like the half space for a winger, then it's time to eat and suddenly the fullbacks are overlapping, all that kind of stuff. Like that's what happened particularly against that against Watford last season where really and truly they should have been pammed to dust physically. But mm-hmm. again, like in that Tottenham game, I, I wouldn't just put it on Mount. It was everyone. No one was coming... Of course, you don't want to come so deep that you're putting them under pressure, but no one was showing for the ball in a way that made sense. When it was time to progress, they couldn't progress because the people ahead of them weren't helping. So I think, as, as like I said, obviously, as much as I agree with you in terms of they can be pams at times, if everyone gets what um, they need to get right ahead of them, then I think we can profit big time. Uh, and just on that, I do think that Ben's right in that sense because it, a lot of that is linked to the cohesion and how they're coached. And I think that, like, I alluded to the to it earlier about the, the kind of number 10 thing. We've had it before where our 10 is almost playing like a second striker and they're really far removed from play. Now, at the same time, their their job is to find pockets for avenues to find to um, have the ball played through. But when a team is packing the midfield, as Jose did um, Spurs um, with Spurs or as Palace do, you, you're going to you're gonna struggle. And, and it's really... And it's... And a lot, the thing is, is that there's a misconception that that most teams don't struggle. I do think that, like, even a, a City team, for instance, in their, like, 198 points across two seasons, there's a few games where, like, they're shaky. I think Southampton it was where Raheem Sterling scores last minute. There's, so everyone's kind of got that pressure of banging on the door loads and not mm. and not coming through. But I think our thing is that we don't really bang. We just, like, just, like, faintly knock. And, and the part of that is down to... To the way structures are, so, yeah, and no, I agree with Ben in that in that regard. The midfield composition is is a is a trickier kind of um, trickier problem than I think Shemi was a, was talking about earlier, and I think it's something that we're gonna kind of we're gonna we're gonna see over the course of the season. Yeah, well, I think that's we'll leave it there, lads. Um, we can only we can only hope that the game against Southampton goes goes well because the games come thick and fast. Yeah, I think after that, after that game, I think we've got the Champions League straight after. We've got the Champions League straight after against Sevilla. Then right. after that, we've got Manchester United, the next Premier League game. So the games come thick and fast. So yeah. we need to get off to a good start against those guys because, yeah, if, if we lose against, if we don't get a win against Southampton. Oh, mate. Mm. <sighs> okay. Can I just say one, one quick thing before we wrap up on the Southampton thing? I think I'm a bit more extreme in, on the Ziyech thing. I feel like even if he's 90% fit, I feel like he has to play at least from the from the start, at least 60 minutes, 70 minutes, because I feel like 
it's, especially in terms of the Werner thing, if you look if you um you look close your minds back to the preseason game against Brighton, like every time Werner ran, Ziyech was like, Where's Werner? Where's Werner? It's and you true. found him like three, four times. So I feel like um if he plays, then I have mm-hmm. I, I have no worries about Werner eating. And also another thing is um if Werner plays up top, I wouldn't be surprised if Havertz also gets his goal or like breaks his stuff because yeah, I feel like Havertz is very, very good at occupying the space in the box that Werner might leave. So yeah. And I feel like it's just imperative to find in these guys because his passing is just quality. So, yeah. But Shemi, yeah. you're not worried though. Like against like a Southampton, like I, I personally, obviously, Ziyech is someone you can play against anyone. Cool, but um, I think he's going to be a lot more useful in terms of against the low block teams, right? In terms of against the Southampton, where the way they're going to press, everyone kind of needs to hold their position in terms of if you're going to efficiently stretch them out and make sure they're not getting the ball when they press. And you're not worried a bit about his positioning in terms of the way he floats. Mm. Uh, n- for me, no, because ZH's work rate is ridiculous. I think one of the, mo- in terms of his his overall offensive play, he gives you so much generally. But in terms of his work rate, I think that like, we talk about um, Kai Havertz's work rate, and we're all impressed by it. But ZH is is a different beast. Uh, I feel like when it comes to pressing, working back, he, he's he's very very good at it. Very good at it. I think that you don't. As as great as he is with his passing and his, his you know his overall quality, I think you, he's not a free, he's not like a, a luxury player in that sense at all at, at all. I think if you if you watch Ziyech, you recognize that how hard he works to get back in position. So for me, I don't necessarily I'm not concerned. For me personally speaking, I think he works hard enough. And also, again, if you're bearing in mind the, the composition of our um, of our defense, if you're playing Aspilicueta. I'm not going to be concerned if you're playing yeah, with James. Yeah, well, that's a good point. If you're playing with James, then you maybe you might be. But again, Hakim Ziyech is definitely not a, a free ride in the side. He definitely works hard enough for me to not be concerned at all. But yeah, we're going to leave it there. Um, hopefully, yeah, again, hopefully we beat Southampton and it sets us on a good stead because we've got a run of every three game. Every three days we're playing a game. So obviously we've got Sevilla. Um, after Southampton, that's three days after, so that's uh, on a Tuesday. We've got Manchester United on the 24th, that's four days after. Then we've got um, Krasnodar back in the Champions League again. So um, it's just going to be thick and fast, man. Every three games, we're going to be playing games. So, And that's all the way up until December. We're going to... No, all the way up until mid-November, we're going to be playing a game every three games. So... Boy. We need to hit the ground running because yeah, our fixtures our fixtures are looking quite decent. I think United, Manchester United aside, up until the end of November we play Tottenham, things are looking quite decent. So hopefully, um, we can get a win against Southampton that put us on a good stead, and hopefully get us mounting towards uh, a top four challenge. Because right now, you know, Liverpool got slapped up six uh, seven two, United got slapped six one. Um, the top four is is relatively open, uh, so we need to consolidate our position a million percent. So yeah, man, thank you, boys, for joining me. Um, and yeah, boys, listeners, we'll be back next week. Um, please listen out for our Patreon content, which will be available. So we're going to be doing a, a pre-match game um, analysis of the Southampton match. Um, so there's going to be a lot of Discord and um, Patreon content available for you guys. So yeah, we'll be back next week, and I'll catch you a lot later. Cheers. In a bit. Peace. There's more to working from home than emails. So you need Wi-Fi with reliable speed, the most in-home coverage, and built-in security. You need Xfinity XFi. That's simple, easy, awesome. 
Go online, call 1-800-XFINITY, or visit a store today to learn more. Restrictions apply. Sports Social Podcast Network.